Welcome back to the conclusion of Pastor Tim's message, Consider Yourself, from Haggai chapter 1, verses 1 through 15. When we consider our ways, we are forced to consider God's ways. When we consider God's ways, that turns us right around, shedding light on our ways that we might consider and change. When the church gets a hold of the message of Haggai, the church will be a dominant force in this wayward world. Here's Pastor Tim. There's a second category, though. Say, consider his ways. As we consider our ways, we naturally turn and consider his ways. And what happens is when you begin to consider his ways, it forces you to turn back inward and compare and consider your own ways once again and how they match up with his. So with this very same theme in mind, Haggai puts the focus on God and what God is actively doing. And you and I need to be aware of it. So consider these four things about the Lord's ways. Number one, consider His power. Consider His power. All right, I want to save verses 7 and 8 for the last. We'll come back to those. So skip down with me to verse number 9. All right? Verse number 9, he really continues this thought that he just had about our productivity or lack thereof and the why about that. So it's in these verses that we see the power of God at work. All right? Look at what he says in verse number 9. You looked for much, but indeed it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Let me stop there for just a moment. Your retirement is not dwindling just because of these terrible economic plans that keep pushing us as a nation toward recession and ultimately depression. You know, it's, not the, it's not rising prices. It's not limited availability of just about every good and service that you can imagine that makes our month-to-month so difficult. You need to know that God's hand is in that. Do you see what he says? He says, he says I blew it away. I blew it away. I did that, God says. I was thinking about this passage, thinking about that verse. Remember kind of as we're coming out of some of the COVID stuff and the little stickers that you would see when you went to the gas station? Stickers were put there for a reason. In May of 2020, the average gas price around the nation was $1.96 per gallon. In May of 2022, the average price was $4.55 per gallon. Last month, it was $3.71. Some of you drove by, drove by Sam's and saw that it was under $3, and you were excited. You know? Come so far, haven't we? So they put these little stickers of President Biden pointing at the gas price, and he says, I did that. It's <laughs> kind of what God is saying right here. Look at all of these things that are going on in your world. I did that. I blew it away. Look what he says there in verses 10 and 11. He says, therefore, or we didn't finish verse number 9, did we? He says, it came to the little, I blew it away. And then he says this, he says, why? Why would he do this? Why, says the Lord of hosts? Because of my house that is in ruins, while every one of you runs to his own house. That's why he's doing it. Notice what he says, verses 10 and 11. Therefore, 
The heavens above you withhold the dew, and the earth withholds its fruit. For I called for a drought on the land and the mountains and on the grain and the new wine and the oil, on whatever the ground brings forth, on men and livestock, and on all the labor of your hands. You are not a self-made person. You don't pull yourself up by your bootstraps. God takes care of His people. The dew and the fruit, the rain and the grain, the wine and the oil, the land and the livestock, All of them obey their Maker. And we, His people, the redeemed, dare to not, dare to not obey Him. Can you control any of the things that He mentions in verses 10 and 11? No. But God can. His hand is on there. He can turn it towards productivity. He can turn it it towards recession. Whatever He chooses to do. There is a connection between your circumstances, your obedience, and God's power. There always is. So consider His power. Number two, consider His presence. Consider His presence. Now, Kudos to Zerubbabel and his people. I mean, when we hear messages like this, we immediately tend to become defensive. They've not done that. They've listened. And they've heeded what the voice of God has said to them. And they have moved themselves from disobedience to obedience. By the way, you can do that too. In just a clear moment of direction, You can move from spectator to participator. From being on the sideline to being on the field. From being a rebel to being a disciple. From being disobedient to being obedient. So what is it that moved them? Why is it that after 18 years of comfort, suddenly now they are interested and ready to go to work on the temple? All right, it's in verse number 12, 12 and 13. Look at it. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people. So you got all these groups, right? You You got Zerubbabel, you got Joshua, you've got the remnant of the people. Look at what they did. They obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai the prophet as the Lord their God had sent him, and the people feared the presence of the Lord. It's the presence of the Lord. He says that they feared them. He's talking about that holy, righteous, respectful fear, the kind that is filled with with reverence and with awe. This is not an unbeliever's fear. An unbeliever's fear that is based on pending judgment. This is a believer's fear that is birthed in the holiness of God. Uh, An unbeliever finds the presence of God threatening, condemning. The believer finds the presence of God comforting. There's nothing quite like it, is there? To, To accentuate that. 
that whole area of consideration. Haggai delivers the most cheerful message, maybe in the whole book, maybe even in the whole Bible. Look what he says in verse number 13. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, spoke the Lord's message to the people saying, I am with you, says the Lord. That's it. And that's enough, isn't it? I am with you, says the Lord. Just His presence. His presence calmed those disciples long before He calmed the sea when He told them, do not be afraid, it is I. It's His presence that is calming and is comforting for us. Their situation hasn't changed, has it? I mean, the temple's still there in ruins. They're still in their paneled houses. But something is changing in the midst of them. Something that God is doing in them. As He stirs their spirit, He says. Stirring their spirit. He can stir your spirit. And when it comes to serving the Lord... When it comes to building his house, you don't do that alone. You don't, you don't do that in your own strength. It is his power and his presence that helps you excel in those opportunities. So give careful consideration. Give careful thought. Give them their proper weight, the power of God and the presence of God in your life. Number three. Consider his purposes. Consider his purposes. You may, you may want to ask, Tim, what do, you, what do you think it'll take to, to get people off the bench and into the game, so to speak? I mean, the answer to that question is far longer than just this one, this one point. But this one thing is an obstacle that must be overcome in order for people to move from spectator to participator, okay? They have to consider God's purposes. They have to stop putting their preferences and their agendas on top of the to-do list. What will that take? It's the same thing that we read right here. Look in verse number 14. Verse number 14 says, The Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel. Here we go again. He stirred up the, heart, the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And when he did that, they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. For years, they had sat there. Nothing. Not one bit of work went on at that temple. And you know, you know good and well that there were some people that would walk by and say, well, that temple, man, that, that thing's in shambles. We need, we need to do something about that. You're right. We need to do something about that. I know what let's do. When we meet together again, let's put a sign-up sheet out front <laughs> and see who'll come work on the temple. Sign-up sheets and arm-twisting and guilt trips, you know, the Baptist way. That does not, that doesn't work. It hadn't worked and it ain't going to work. Now, now, it is true. You may, I mean, somebody that's better than me, they may be able to lay that guilt trip on there so thick that you can get some folks to come work. 
There's a difference between getting them to come and getting them to be obedient. Remember that right heart attitude part? They're doing this with the right heart attitude. But it's His purposes, not our purposes. It's His agenda and not ours. When He stirs up your spirit, it's not so that your purposes once again come to the top. It's so that His purposes come to the top. I mean, we can, we can make the pleas that we want to. We are in desperate need for somebody to work with the preschoolers during Sunday school and to, and to do that during church. You know how hard it is to find one person to do it one time in a month or in two months. <laughs> and you're asking them to work with the cutest members that we got. Imagine when you ask them to do something hard. I'll tell you something. You can't get volunteers hardly to agree to much of anything. We all want to see the benefits of children's ministry. We want to see the benefits of youth ministry. We want to see the benefits of senior adult ministry. But most of our members wouldn't, I mean, they would complain, fine, but they wouldn't lift one cold, dead finger to help. Oh, they have ideas. I mean, there are plenty of people, they know how it ought to be done. And they're willing to tell you too. But they're not willing to come and do it. They're not willing to take on that personal responsibility. And that is what Haggai is talking about to his people. They won't volunteer until, until the Lord stirs up their spirit and their, I mean, God's purposes supersede their own purposes. When our next-gen minister left so abruptly, God stirred the hearts of some people. A couple of our young adults, a couple of our uh, youth parents, and they've given everything to that. When God stirs the spirit of a person, and they begin to get involved in what He is calling them to do, that it is God's purposes that get fulfilled. And the truth of the matter is, is that I don't have to like that. I, 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 don't, I don't have to like how the temple looks as long as it's done the way that God has said for them to do it. Consider His purposes. Allow Him to stir up your heart. Is that going to happen and change overnight? Nope. Look, you've got a time frame sandwich in chapter number 1. In the very first verse, it told us that it was, the, it was the second year of King Darius. It was his sixth month, and it was the first day. Look at verse number 15. <laughs> it's still the second year. It's still the sixth month. But now it's the 24th day. It's taken them three weeks to grab a hold of the message of God. Three weeks for God to stir in their hearts. Here's the point. Don't get discouraged. Don't get discouraged when the big old ship don't turn exactly as fast as you want it to turn. Just start. Just do it. Let me give you one more. All right, we've got to go back to verses 7 and 8 for this one. This is one that we skipped. Number four, consider His pleasure. 
All right, let's go back and get these verses. They provide us with this one more area of consideration. I think it's worthwhile for us to save it for last. We're reminded again in verse number 7 that we are to consider our ways, something that we are commanded to do. And then God provides us in verse number 8 with very practical help on how to do that. What does it mean to consider your ways? Is it just thinking? No. If consider means not just to give it careful thought, but to put the thoughts in the right place, to give things its proper weight, to put things in its proper place, then my thoughts have to be matched by my action. Right? So he says this in verse number 8. Go up to the mountains. You can't stay where you are. You can't keep doing what you've always been doing and expect to get anything new. You've got to get up and go. They're living in luxury in those paneled houses, and God says, you need to go up to the mountain. For what? Because that's where they're going to meet with God. They need a personal, reviving encounter with the living God. And I suspect that's what we need too. To break out of those comfort zones, to break out of those normal patterns that we're living in, And to hear the voice of God and to meet with Him. And allow Him to stir up our spirit. He says, go up to the mountains. And He says this, and bring wood. In other words, they need to bring the supplies. They need to bring the tools that are are necessary to do the work that God has called them and purposed them to do. In other words, you bring your gifts you bring, you, you, you bring in His tithes. You bring in your offerings. You, you show up with your skills. You show up with your talents, with your abilities. You may think, I don't, I don't have any good talent. I don't have any good ability. I guarantee you, God has given everybody something that's worthwhile to give back to Him. Whatever He's given you, You give it back to Him, and it's going to mean a lot. This is a true statement. The church can only be what it's supposed to be when everybody participates. Just the way it works. Then he says this, still in verse number 8, and build the temple. (laughs) I mean, yeah, there's time for talking. There's time for planning. But 18 years worth, I'm not so sure. I mean, there comes a time you just got to get to work. I mean, they kept saying, it's just not time yet. Yes, it is. It's time. It's time to get to work. It is time to build the house. It's time to work His will. Why do we do all this? Why do you go up on the mountain? Why do you bring the wood? Why do you build the temple? The reason's in the very next phrase. He says that I may take pleasure in it and be glorified says the Lord consider his pleasure what are you doing what could you do to please your master to please the one who gave his life for you to glorify him and genuinely worship him revelation we get to sing thou art worthy O Lord to receive glory and honor and power 
For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Consider your ways, church. You want a future, Britt David? Consider your ways. And let's get busy building the temple. Let's pray. Kind of like preaching in the choir tonight, isn't it? Most every person that's here is involved in the work of the church in some capacity. Those of you that made special effort to be here, I'm so grateful for that, just simply because I asked, maybe. Shouldn't it be full? Shouldn't it have been full in here today? When I I told you, God has a message for His church. We need to go to the mountain. We need a reviving encounter with God. And see what gets birthed out of that. Where are you? What do you need? Can you explain it to Him? I'll tell you, I'm not so sure that I have the right words to pray. Good thing about that is the Holy Spirit knows what's on my heart and He gets to translate it to the Father anyway. So here goes Jesus. I'm so grateful for our church. I am beyond honored to be able to be the pastor and to be here so long. I'm certainly not here because I deserve it. I'm certainly not here because they need me. I'm here because you put me here. I'm thankful for that. And I don't want one area of ministry to, to lack. There's so much to do. You didn't send Zerubbabel by himself. You sent him with a whole bunch of people. You didn't send me here by myself. We're filled with people. You're people. God, revive us. Stir up our spirits that we might do the work of the ministry and see you be glorified through all of it. Spirit of God, pray that you'll take what's on my heart, translate that to the Father. I pray that you'll do that for every person in this room. I pray that you would move, that you would stir, that you'd even start it tonight. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. This year at Brit David, we would like to challenge you to join us in reading through the Bible in a year. This is a great and rewarding way to start your day. If you would like a copy of the reading plan, you can request a copy at church office at BritDavid.org. Pastor Tim would love to connect and share with you about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and how you can know that you know that Jesus is your Savior and Lord. That address is church office at Brit David.
www.bridgeofhope.org. We are located at 2801 West Brit David Road, Columbus, Georgia, 31909. Thanks again for joining us here on Brit David Podcast.